You're listening to the 10th Show. I'm going to try doing the news and see what happens. I don't get it. Your seniors podcast network. This is the accredited. It's summertime, so we're here to talk hooping and not NBA playoffs. We're here to talk Bahamian hoopers. We're talking recruiting. We're talking people signing, people making declarations. There's a whole lot of paperwork going on. I'm Ronaldo. I'm in Randy. studio is Randy. For the first time in weeks now, but it's it's, it's back to back though, so it's kind of consistent it now. Like, we like find yeah, we find in some consistency again. So yeah. that's all, that's a great thing. Give yourself some credit. It's, clap, it's clap, clap, ago, clap, clap, know. clap, 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 clap. Uh, things ain't get too intense for you at work yet, so you still have some kind of some kind of leeway. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. terms of my boss, the honeymoon is still not over as yet. <laughs> so you could imagine how funny that is. Great marriage between you and your boss. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted to start from. Just talking about recruiting mm-hmm. hoopers in the Bahamas in general. I feel like in recent years, the the showcase culture has has grown. You right. know, as we're recording right now on a Saturday, you got the Daryl Sears Showcase going on in Freeport. It's the 16th year of that. You have a Top Elite Showcase going on here in Nassau. So people are people are grasping the idea of gathering your best talent in one area bringing in coaches to have them evaluate even if it's for that short period of time Mm -hmm. just bringing other people in to see your talent i don't feel like this is something that was always there but how do you think it's changed the way young basketball players approach the game knowing how important these showcases and stuff are well it allows them to be more prepared to play an overall game as opposed to just being athletes just opposed to being able to run up and down the floor like we've been knocked for so many times in the past. All, all the time in the past. Yeah, but if you look now, you have you have guys that can make skilled players. And I think right now, too, is I'd say this the this is the most basketball players we had playing collegiate basketball at one time. I think ever. Yeah, I mean the number of D one pl- well, just thinking of D one, there's quite mm-hmm. a few, but we also have players at the D two, D three level. Yeah, we have we have Juco. a few we have a few that play JUCO that just signed over with with D two as or D two D one as well. Mm-hmm. So I think right now the skills are at all time high, and I think that's what showcases like these do because it's not just the showcases; the fact that you bring in coaches from abroad, you bring in scouts from abroad, and even if they don't pick someone, they give pointers. And they, they send them in the right direction as to what they need to do or what they need to improve on. And it's up to the player to decide whether or not he'll take that advice. But it's a, it's a, it opens our eyes a bit. You know, it's always good to be the best player in a small in a small circle. You, your best player that comes in C.I. Gibson Gym or something like that. But in, in the grand scale, that doesn't really mean anything. It means absolutely nothing. And <laughs> so, I think, I think mm-hmm. the sooner we tell them that and the sooner they learn that, mm-hmm. the better. And not just the players, but I think this also helps the coaches too. Because the same point is that they're giving 
to these players to tell them how to improve their games. Well, you could give the same pointers to the coaches to tell them, hey, this is what you need them to work on to, I guess, kind of build their resume for the next mm-hmm. level. And I, I think that, that kind of helps build players, too. You need the coaches. Even though a, a player, is a lot on a player to t- that he has to take upon himself or herself, but coaching, coaching plays a big role. And if you have bad coaching from, I'd say, junior high up to, like, grade 10, grade 11, you're already far behind on the recruitment scene. So these, these showcases provide that exposure and just, just, just a, uh, uh, it's more than just the internet. They get to actually see these people up close and get play-by-play um, instruction with these people up close. And that, that does a lot. So do you think we'll ever see the mold shift from what it was? Well, shoot, I think it was like that from the 60s. It was like that from the sev- from the 70s when you had the Jackson 5 go to, to Miami Jackson High when Michael Thompson and his group went. Mm-hmm. The, the mold was you're good in high school over here you go to high school in the states you come up through that system and that's mm-hmm. just the way it's always been done that's the way it happened for buddy that's the way it happened for everybody everybody but magnum and franco i think right 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 because i think those are the two that actually completed high school here mm-hmm. did one year of prep school um in the us and in canada so now maybe that option has p- perhaps opened up a bit yeah, to us. Do I, I you think, think the mold's going to change a bit where you won't have to leave here as quickly as, as Buddy or Aiton did? Well, one thing, one thing the difference is, too, you have to look at in terms of just off the court, in terms of um, being qualified to actually go to a Division One, in terms of your credits. So uh, I, we have to find some way to bridge the gap here in that regard first for players to even be considered to, to go straight yeah, off. Academically, it's not aligned right now. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, because I think our schoolwork is harder than theirs, to be honest. But for some reason, for some reason, it doesn't carry over. So in that regard, we need to uh, fix that. Stupid uh, British system, I think, that yeah, we yeah, still yeah. operate under, doesn't align with the uh, uh, American academic system. Right. So that's a, a hindrance for a lot of players. And we've, we've both done this. We've both had stories uh, of players that got turned away. Yeah, yeah. From trying to from trying to enter the US, getting their student visa, and there are a lot of hurdles you have to you have to try to navigate See, to and be able to that's do that. and that's the thing, it's, it's so many obstacles you have to overcome coming from here, trying to make that transition into a big school. Your credits might not be right, you know, they don't want to give you financial aid or something because the scholarship might not be a full scholarship. So it's just it's just a lot they have to take in, but when you coming from a prep school, maybe in the States, and they get a chance to get a good look at you and probably want to invest a little bit more in you in terms of like a full scholarship and in terms of offers. I think that that remains the way to go until, I'd say, the education system here changes more so than the athletic part of it. Yeah, and the reason the reason I like the prep school route and I like what happened with, with Magnum and what's happening with Franco is I also think prep school gives you that extra year to mature your game Mm -hmm. and for a lot of gaming players what they need to mature your bodies because we don't have the kind of culture where you you grow up knowing that i've got to lift i've got to pay attention to nutrition and do all of that stuff Mm -hmm. so when you get over there that's kind of like a culture shock when you see dudes have been doing this since eighth and ninth grade but you've got to catch up so i think I think we can have more players go the prep school route because we have we have good coaches here. I think we have really good coaches that can get you to the point where you're ready. Yeah. But there's still a lot of fine-tuning to be done. I think that has to do with competition as well, though. Absolutely. Competition wraps I think competition as well. Because you playing here, you might have like maybe one or two. One good player and one okay player on each team. 
Whereas prep school circuit, you're playing guys who solely devoted just to playing basketball. They have online classes, so they spend their day training. So when you go against that kind of competition, you already far behind. These guys dedicate their life to basketball. They're saying, all right, school is cool, but you know the ultimate goal is to get to the league. I know what I'm trying to do. Like, yeah, I know yeah, what my yeah, job I know is going to be. Like, like, we were in school, I don't need social studies to get where I'm going. We were in school reading mm-hmm. a lot of books and writing a whole lot of essays because we knew where our career path was I couldn't go. dunk. In grade 12, I couldn't dunk. Yeah, so, so that was the writing on the wall for me. <laughs> that was the writing on the wall for me. That was it. We knew what it was, but the same way everybody out there has to be honed in their career path, mm-hmm. basketball players want to do the same thing. But you know what I thought of as you were saying that just now? You know what that sound like? Hmm. It sound like a National Sports Academy. Oh, yeah. You mean what was coming on stream from 2012? That's been through three governments now and still not a brick has been laid? That I, one? I mean it on the way, though. Bro, that never on the way. <laughs> one of us got to get in government. I'm 26. I have to be some... You know Nassau government, with the exception of Travis, you have to be at least 50 to get in. Right. I was just about to say, talk like 30 years, you got to be 56. Yeah. Easily. And you're an actual sports person, so they're not going to put you as minister of sports. Oh, never. They put me in like marine resources yeah, or something like that. Yeah, that, because that would make too much sense to have a sports person yeah. in charge of sports. So that's not going to happen. So you could get that out of your head like right but, now. But I mean... We have what, been promised what, what would go in, What would go into making this NSA? What What would you need? Besides, I don't think you would really need classrooms. You would need to buy the online program. You would need to make a little makeshift. Not even a makeshift gym. Just get a gym. You a whole government. You they spend money actually, on very... They actually wouldn't even need... Bro, you know how much money we spend things on? A bunch of bullshit is what we do We spend, spend on. money on a bunch of shit. Yeah. Honestly. So, buying kids some workout equipment from Amazon... Will not break the budget for the government. This will not put us in a deficit, any more of a deficit than we are already in anyway. So you might as well get some prominent athletes out of it. Yeah, but see, they we think that because we know how this is big business and we know how much goes into it. But they think, well, why would we do all that when we could just reap the benefits of this photo off? Like, yeah, but school, of, yeah, but the, the school system of, ain't working either. So think about how much. Uh, these phonies are going to be at the draft when mm-hmm. Aiden is drafted and they probably can't even pronounce his name right and have actually never seen him play basketball you mean and have done nothing to get him to that point. Oh, I know what you're talking about. The 75 people that come to every press conference at their point. Think about yeah. all of those people that were at the Final Four Yeah. in Houston yeah. when uh, when Buddy was in the Final Four and they played against Villanova. They spent tens of thousands of dollars parading people around. And that was probably the first time any of those people interacted with Buddy Heal or had anything. They had nothing to do with his development. Like when we tell the story about how we had to be shooting outside on a crate, like I feel like people should be embarrassed about that because that's not the 70s. We're talking the early 2000s. But the thing is, like I'm saying, like we just we we somehow try to find a way to justify things that we spend money on. But things that we aren't interested in. We make it seem like such an expense. Tens of thousands for people to put their hip in the seat. Every Olympic or every track meet we go to, they have a they, the, the the list of people traveling with the team is bigger than the team every time. Facts. Facts. You understand me? So it's like thousands of dollars there. Thousands of dollars here. Not every, every federation that go. why would you take a treasurer on a trip? What, what money are they counting on the trip? 
So when they go on these trips, is the treasurer like? Because you know, like how what, when what are you doing? Collecting bus you, fare or what? <laughs> like when you're young and you used to go away, and, and they give you, you a certain amount of money a day. Dad, yeah, you had to go to your mommy or your daddy for the money. This was before. Why would you need a secretary? This before they started letting you hold your own. Why you need a secretary? You know, phone ringing now. I mean, I know. But I just saying, I these, just write. That. It's almost two, like three thousand dollars for these two people. You know how much bench? You know how much equipment you could buy with three thousand bucks? A whole lot of equipment. A whole lot of equipment. You could listen. You could have satellite. Like, camps but what I don't like is that people make some of these stuff seem so far fetched. No, when, it's, be- it's because they don't care about it. Yeah. That's all it is. If you if you cared about it, you would put the work and the resources and the research into it to, to it actually happening. But you don't care about it when all you need to do is be there for the photo up at the end. And because listen, we could go on. We got to rate it in a bit because we could go on about the mm-hmm. national sports academies and how shitty we are developing athletes for three and a half hours but y'all aren't here to hear that we're here to talk about this recruiting the hot summer recruiting and these are some of the players that these people are going to have photo ops with Mm -hmm. but again nothing for their development so this summer has been a big one for player like players like kai jones Mm -hmm. kai jones um you know he he had a big summer last year his first time with the junior national team uh, didn't get to play because he was injured at that tournament. Mm-hmm. He was at Basketball Without Borders. You know, people took notice yeah. of him there. Went to Orlando Christian Prep the this season. Mm-hmm. They ended up winning a state title, and now he's on the AAU circuit. And just like that, and this is what we talk about exposure. Just like that, after playing in a few tournaments, starts feeling you know it took me. You know, but you know what took me for a loop. When I talked to him at Basketball Without Borders, he was like, "This is the first time he played competitive basketball against other people." Yeah. I was like, what? Homeschool. Six foot six, six foot seven. He's like, yeah, I never played against anyone. So this, this he learned this from playing in the driveway. Whatever he does now, I mean, prior to that was learned in, in like a driveway. So imagine the potential that his game is going to have and the room for growth that he has. Mm-hmm. Because people that, when these systems are run the right way, you identify that <laughs> six, two, six, three, 13 year old. Yeah. Probably well before he's 13, but, but, by the way. You know, another thing, too, that they say the homeschool thing doesn't work. He's well-spoken. Yeah, absolutely. He's a smart kid. I think I think in this regard, that works better than the school system now. Because our school system is short, honestly. Some of the athletes, the athletes that go that come through the system don't even go, go to school. Anyway, so they might as well do some kind of schooling or, or put them where they can learn enough to get where they're going and not have to take Spanish and... I mean, nothing wrong with Spanish. Don't get me wrong, but you know what I mean? Like biology. Bro, you know who's interested in biology and who's not. You know who's going to be a physicist or whatever. And he's not. No need for him to take chemistry if you don't shoot a basketball. Just get him him to where he needs to be to to get a D1 education and call it that. Listen, you're preaching the choir. Not everyone is a doctor, an accountant. Yeah, but you have to be because Nassau like title title and status. Yeah, for sure. For someone like Kai, uh, 6'9", 6'10", the fact that he hasn't been playing organized basketball for a very long time mm-hmm. kind of works in his benefit in this regard because he he didn't know that he's not supposed to have guard skills at that size. No way until on the body either. Yeah, so, so it's none of that. He has guard skills. He's still developing. And you mentioned basketball without borders. Mm-hmm. What I liked about what he said was, I was surprised at how easy it was for me to do the things that I wanted to do. Bro, and at that point, he still was completely Translation, wrong. everything I saw in 2K and tried to do it my player, I did it in the driveway and I was able to do it against actual people. Yeah. So that makes me good. 
and he had a year playing alongside uh, Nas Little, who's going, who's a very highly touted recruit, five yeah, star, yeah. going to going to North Carolina. So of course he he had to pick up some things from his game. So I'm interested to see what happens with Kai Jones for the rest of this summer and as he progresses and mm-hmm. he goes into his senior season. Because once one big D1 offer rolls in, you know, this is a copycat kind of thing. So mm-hmm. everyone else is going to pick up on that. Another person that has been getting a lot of D1 offers, Kenny is North. Another person only played in the States a year. Yeah. Up until this year and... Now he just he got like seven eight offers. So look at that. It it doesn't take very long. But the thing is, he's not. He didn't graduate yet. Doesn't take. Still very got long. another. He still has another year to go. So both him and Kai just entering yeah. their senior seasons of high schools, and the recruiting scene could change in a mm-hmm. matter of weeks after you have one good performance at a showcase. Taking yep. it back to the showcase culture that we talked about. That's why it's so important to perform at them because you got a big concentration of coaches there. Mm-hmm. So is Nord. Like you mentioned, was in the states for a very short period of time. Had some mid-major offers. Now the D one, the D one schools are calling. You've written about him several times. For people that don't know anything about his story, I guess just fill us in a bit uh, about him. Well, actually, I'm not sure what school he went to locally here, but I know he he, he tried he played with Blanche Ellie. Mm-hmm. Now they won a state title, and that's class. That's that's four A, I think. Yeah, which is one of the top leagues in in there. He plays with the Florida Vipers as well and a well-known team. See, I, I like back to you go with showcases again. They learn so much on the road. People say AAU is not, you know, not fundamental and stuff. But like you learn that competitive spirit playing AAU. And you, we, we've talked to all the players that we've talked to mm-hmm. and we interview. They say all the time, look, the AAU circuit is more important than what we do in the regular season. Of course, it's, it's close. It's closer to a college environment than what you take, you take on during a regular season. Plus... Plus, why I say is more like a college environment. Your high school team, everyone might not be good. Of course, and you're playing against teams that aren't really good all the so time. So you're so you're traveled, but your travel team, everyone is good. Everyone is hooping because Ex- that's mm-hmm. the those are the best players from their teams. Yep. So all of that is all star competition. And that's I mean that's the kind of competition we need. Yeah. Honestly, and and like to be honest, we could do something similar to that here. In terms of showcase culture, we do it, and and they travel. But I feel like I feel like we need to have that organized. No, better. I want to hear though. I mean, we could do something here. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. For the players that can't always travel. I honestly, I told you, I looked into it. Sponsor wise, it's quiet. If I was hosting a party and people shaking and getting naked, I'm sure everybody rallying behind. I'm that. sure they would have rallied all, behind. All it, the big time sponsors getting getting behind that one if you was doing that. But this thing, eh, we don't see it as big business. Nah. Like, like, let them go run up and down. We don't see it as big business until somebody makes it, and then those same sponsors ring in the phone. And phones then they have to pay trying, double. They they ring in the phones trying to get attached to somebody because they want to get close to these players. When you can yeah, develop that relationship from they were in eighth or ninth grade. They don't want your cell phone. They got T-Mobile. Thanks. Yeah, like your cell phone. <laughs> they got Verizon. Thanks. Your cell phones don't even matter, bro. So we talk about Kyrie. We talk about Kenny. We're gonna get to. Uh, Travis and the college ranks later, but mm-hmm. the person that's going to take up the bulk of this podcast is Franco Miller, and that's who we mentioned him earlier. His path was a bit different. Mm-hmm. We knew about his story for quite some time, and the way we always measure this with the great players here is we always expect them to go off to school because yeah. that's what the mold is. So every year when we saw Franco was still here, we kind of wondered, you, dog, you should have been gone. 
Should have been gone. Like, we see what your potential is. Mm-hmm. You should not still be here. Like, no disrespect to the program at Tabernacle, but you need to be up out of here. Because your your ceiling is much higher than this. Right. So we were always surprised that he was still here. And he took what has been an unconventional route for most Bahamians, I think. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, because we expect most of them to go to go the DeAndre Ayton route. You mm-hmm. go to high school in the U.S. and then you come up through the system that way. Franco didn't. He finished at, at Tabernacle, did everything there was to do at Tabernacle, um, and went to prep school at Crestwood Prep in Canada. Had a great season at Crestwood, mm-hmm. got him the exposure he needed, mm-hmm. had some nice mid-major offers. Uh, what were some of those Some of those mid-major I mean, you had St. Bonaventure, yeah, Saint- um, teams like, I would say, Buffalo. Now, I'm not sure about Buffalo. It might not be Buffalo. But Towson. Towson. Yeah, that, schools that like Towson. Hofstra. Hofstra. So yeah, he, along so that had, line. He had some really nice mid-major offers that yeah. made you think, okay, you know what? This is really good. You yeah. can go there for four years, make a good career, get your degree, see where basketball takes you. No. I like how he believed in himself. Too. He did. He bet. He bet on himself. That's yeah. a, that's one thing I would say about him and his support system. They bet on his talent, and clearly, right now, they're winning out. Mm-hmm. So he had the mid-major offers. Everything was looking good. So you know, you thought that's where his yeah. ceiling was. That's where he'd end up. And I think everything changed once he got the invite to the Iverson Roundwell Classic. Well, because because you play in this, automatic teams are going to look you up. It's only 24 people to look up on the roster. That's not hard for a scouting department. And the thing about it I liked was he put film out. He put tapes out. So it's not like, you know, some athletes, you might see them at a tournament. It's just like one or two shorty videos. And then you can't really get on them much from it. But the fact that he has he had good tapes, he had, he had content leading up to it. He made himself easy to find, honestly. He made himself marketable. He, he made himself a brand. Exactly. He, he actually did. Like people would laugh at the videos and stuff he put up. But I was like, Bro, he actually know what he's doing. Honestly, he making himself a good recruit. Mm-hmm. People want that. People want that kind of, because at the end of the day, people want you to bring something to that school too, a dynamic that they don't have as it is. And I think I think they see that in him. Someone well spoken as well. No, no, no negative, nothing attached to him. And it, I like I say, he went to Canada and made made a way. And so. The the and the thing about the thing about getting selected to one of these to one of these games, like you mentioned, it's easier for scouts, it's easier for mm-hmm. for recruits. And again, this is a copycat game. Yeah. So when somebody sees a player on this roster, a twenty four, they see a name that they're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. You go and scouring the internet, you go and yeah. making calls. Who is this? Why was he not on my radar? Because if he's good enough to be in this game with all of these people getting D one offers, all of these five star players. Then he should be good enough to be going to our school. Yep. So, so once he once he got announced that he was going to be in the Iverson Roundball Classic, it's almost as if the D one offers started pouring in every other day. So you heard Ole Miss was in the running, Minnesota was in the running. Mm-hmm. At one point, Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Then at the tail end year, we heard Oklahoma was in there, Oregon was in there. So major elite D one programs mm-hmm. in a matter of weeks changed the entire recruiting process for Franco Miller. Well, what it, what, what it is, well, you know schools try to get a leg up on each other. So when one saw it, it was like, yeah, like you say, it's coffee guys. So when, when one sees it, they're like, hold on, so why why would this person be interested? Why would they make offer? Let's dive deeper into this. And when they when they actually saw him, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He plays a control game. I, I resemble him to like an Eric Gordon kind of player. Not the tallest, not the most athletic, but he, he gets it done. 
and he could get buckets. Yeah, that, that's the thing about mm. his game. He he's quick, but he's never in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a very he's a very balanced game. I think mm-hmm. he's, he shoots it very well from the outside. And even as early on as in the Nike EYBL games, like of course the Bahamas was gonna get blown out. Yeah, yeah, no, but but he, he but you could you you could tell he could hold his own against absolutely. He was not shying away from bigger talent. Yeah, he was not bigger names at least. Jason Tatum and and Colin Sexton. That's crazy to think dude, that they was in that game. Yeah, man. dudes, Gary Trent Jr. Dude, we saw kill it mm-hmm. at the NCAA level, but he was out there getting buckets against them. Yeah. So, and that's without all of the elite level training and everything else that that they've had from the time mm-hmm. they were in eighth and ninth grade. He wasn't really <clears throat> getting that, but he was up there playing with them. So that was one of the reasons we thought, bro, you need to get up out of here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the like you said, grade twelve. I I didn't like grade twelve was like a really good year for him. I don't think he was as good as in grade 11 as he was in grade 12. So it was like, you could kind of see him staying over. It looks it looks different in hindsight now because he's so good. But at the time, it might, like, like you said, it might have been the right thing for him to do to actually wait it out. What do you think about the... What do you think about the, the, the move to prep school and the move to Canada in general? Because I feel like... For years, mm-hmm. a lot of Bahamian hoopers probably looked down on that going to Canada thing because you know where the home of of basketball is. You know <clears throat> where you want to get to. You mm-hmm. know if you want that status and that stature where you want to be. That's in America. So I think there was always been that well, stigma that Canada ain't it. That's not where I. That's not where I want to be. Do you think that stigma's fallen now because of players like Franco and everybody else that we've seen? do great things in Canada. Well, not just because of all players, because of just the, the brand of players you see coming out of Canada now. You got R.J. Barrett, um, Zach Levine. I don't ain't gone to Canada. I mean, I mean ain't going it's to just... Ben, even, even people like Bennett. You know what I mean? I mean... <laughs> Wiggins. You just have a, you have a lot of talent that come out of Canada now. One... You really call Anthony Bennett? I call Bennett, bro. All right. But I mean, it's good to go. And why I say it's good to go there, because now people know talent comes from there. But at the same time, they can't like analyze and break down and pick apart your game the way they would be able to if you was in the States. If they was able to just fly and see you every weekend, they would they would it would be a lot more like he's good. But I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like And Canada gives you kind of like he's good. And we know the competition is good enough. So if he's doing this to them. He has to be good. So it's kind of like you get the best of both worlds, right? Yeah. Like you, you get that exposure, but at the same time, you're still kind of unknown. Because that's yeah, another see, thing, see, that, like that's a another thing, thing that's great uh, with recruits, too. Because that's why they get so enamored with the mm-hmm. European mm-hmm. players. Because like they see a little bit of film from see, them. But it's not, it's but not, like it's, it's not enough to break him down completely to yeah. say, I know what he's going to do. I know what he can't do. Because when you see people too mm-hmm. much, you tend to... It's like being in a relationship. You see somebody all oh, the you time. Oh, you find flaws. You tend to st- start finding flaws. You find the flaws, apart. yeah. But if you're only seeing them... You're just, so you just admiring from afar, saying, uh, I, I hope I hope, I hope we ha- we got something. And that's huh. and that's what the D1 school is kind of doing now. They're saying, well, let's take a chance. It might, it might turn out to be good, and then I could look like a genius. So speaking of those D1 schools, we are down to what we call the Franco Four, and this is going to be a very big decision. Uh, when we were on a critically acclaimed show, you may have heard of it. It's called Who Is That? Hosted by it's Timothy. Who that? No, it's not. It's hosted <laughs> by that? Timothy. And Timothy asked us, asked me and John the question, who we thought was the next stop, and immediately my answer was, I think it's going to be Franco. Mm-hmm. And that was before he even got any of these major D1 offers. This was when he was still at the mid-major level. But now we're down to the Franco Four. You've got the Oklahoma Sooners. 
Oregon Ducks, the Ole Miss Rebels, and the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Yep. Before we get into any analyzation, is it analysis or analyzation? Anyway, before we start talking about them. Somewhere in between them. One of them things. Before we start talking about them, your choice. Where would you like to see Franco go? Me personally, I want him to go to Minnesota. All right, put a pin in that. Okay, let's start start with Oklahoma. Now, if Franco goes to Oklahoma, the number one thing I thought about immediately was the expectations are going to be ridiculous because you're stepping into a situation where you had this fan base just experienced the Buddy Heald phenomenon, and then right after Buddy Heald, they get Trey Young, who pretty much ruled college basketball for a year, ruled all the headlines. He was the story of college basketball. I don't know if that's what you want to follow up because anything you do, he can have a very solid freshman season, but anything he does is going to be compared to, and not even Buddy's entire career. If he puts up the numbers that Buddy put up as a freshman, they won't pay attention to that. They will judge him based on what Buddy did as a senior, winning every award, and then they will judge him based on what Trey Young did as a freshman. So I don't know if I like that Oklahoma look for him. Why I don't like Oklahoma, Oklahoma is designed for a real pass for his point guard. Even though Trey Young could score, I mean, the way he he handled the ball and the way he assisted the ball was the main reason why Oklahoma rolled the way they did. So going there, you have to be in that pass-first mentality because the roster is pretty much the same. A bunch of forwards and centers that just like to run. So, I mean... I wouldn't say Franco is not a passer, but he's more of a, like a score first. I would say I'd, I'd pair him more at the two than at the one. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's at the this sta- at, combo At guard. this stage right now, mm-hmm. i put him at the two. Not saying he can't play one, but right now I, I p- would prefer him at the two, especially being a college scorer. And uh, right now, OU is just was a one-man show. And, and that's what, I think right now they locked into that for at least another two years. It's, it's really what it was. And unless you have an outstanding recruiting class or you completely yeah. change your system. Not everybody's Trey Young. And ain't yeah. nothing wrong with that. But even, you meant even before that, it, mm. it was Buddy. So yeah. you still were pretty much running. We sat and we watched at the Battle <clears throat> for Atlantis. And even the year after that, and we thought, well, this offense is stagnant when Buddy's not on mm-hmm, the floor. Mm-hmm. So you had that same thing. And that, and that, te- that team was actually better than this team they have yeah, now. Yeah, that team was much more talented. They, so imagine. Spangler. They no, had, that's uh, what I'm Deshaun saying. Thomas. They had players that could score. So imagine this team with just mostly forwards running. Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't like the fit. But on the con side, I mean, on the pro side, Lon Kruger does know some Bahamian slang. Yeah, he, he'll say buddy. So he can throw in like one or two, and then he'll make some corny, I know the Bahamas references that may make Franco like do that fake laugh that you do when old people say stuff. I don't so like there's it. that. I, I don't like it. <laughs> Not a good fit. I don't like okay, it. Okay, let's go to Old Miss. So. Ole Miss, right away, when you think about Ole Miss, uh, you get to play in the SEC. I think about football. Uh, don't go play in the SEC because you got to play against Kentucky. Why I think you, about football. Why are you Dwight left? When I think about Ole Miss. I mean, you could say that about Oklahoma too, though, eh? Not really. Yeah. Oklahoma man. basketball been pretty good, dude. Yeah, but Oklahoma football is always yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they had the greatest quarterback to come out in years. Did they? Yeah. Did you not watch the draft? Anyway. Bro, Johnny Manziel 2.0, oh, dog. This is my blessing from God. Don't do that to Baker Mayfield. This is my blessing. So right away, when you think Ole Miss, you think the Coach Yo connection. Because yeah, 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 it's yeah. just been, what, less than two weeks now when Ole Miss named Coach Yo the, the head of their women's basketball program. Mm. So you have 
a native Grand Bahamian, someone who Franco grew up watching and hearing about, mm-hmm. and she is going to be on campus as a part of the basketball program. She's going to be leading the women's side, but of course, she would still be interacting with him and 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 everything that's going on with his career if he decides to sign with the Rebels. I know that has to be a big draw for his parents because it would be for me just knowing that you have a fellow Bahamian in a position of power at the school. I mean, I feel like that can't be underscored. That's a big deal. Okay, I think the women's team is going to be great under Coach Joe. The men's team, eh, I can live without her. I I agree. I mean, I think I think I think I think the green light. You'd have the green light special at Ole Miss for sure. Right. Green light special. Shoot shoot as much as you want. But that also comes with a lot of responsibility and a lot of blame. That we'll get to that. That's later. the Westbrook we we syndrome. Travis, Travis right had that for like two years at you. Yeah, you get a lot of blame. So, I mean, the team right now. I'm, how much Ole Miss games do you watch? Uh, only if they play Kentucky. So none. One. <laughs> so so, th- but they do. They do. Their program is in a state of flux. They got a new head coach. Kermit Davis is coming in. He he's com- he comes from a mid-major program, and as John mentioned before the podcast, this means he was forced into developing players. I don't want my players in a state of flux. I want my players in smooth, smooth terrain. I mean, but you could start in a state of flux, though. But by the time you turn sophomore, junior, senior, you're smooth sailing. I don't want him to be there that long. But at that point, oh, he's he's a four-year. Player. He is not. Come on. Randy. I, I put it out there. Randy, he's a four-year player. He's not. Really? Not. Buddy was a four-year player. So no, Buddy what? was a three-year player who stayed four years. So what? All right. See, the, the expectations are already heaping on. The expectations are lot. Uh, okay. That handle different from Buddy handle. The, the, game, the game is different from Buddy's game. I will say that 100%. So let's go to Minnesota. The number one thing you think about go. in terms of Minnesota. And this is... I feel like Minnesota <laughs> is your sneaky choice for where you want him to end up. I, and no, it's no reason. sneak. I, I, I'm very vocal as to why I want him to go the to Minnesota. The one word that symbolizes why Randy wants Franco to go to Minnesota is Jelly Farm. That's Jelly, bro. Dog. Explain to the people what Jelly Farm is. Jelly uh, Farm. people listening have no idea. Jelly Farm is a group started in New York. By Minnesota's point guard, Isaiah Washington. Isaiah Washington has the best handles in collegiate basketball. He has the best layup package in collegiate basketball. Layup package? Layup package. That's 2K terminology. Because, because, yeah. Because Isaiah Washington is on that team, that team would be on TV guaranteed more times than any team on the list. This is exposure we need for him. People are already focused in. Who is this guy playing with Isaiah Washington? He's, he's great. Franco Miller, them two become a two-headed, a two-headed, you know, duo, kind of, you know, a la Portland Trailblazers. Oh my God! Come on, uh. they become a powerful point guard, or even like the Rockets, because the two of them could kind of handle, kind of like, much, much kind of thing. So, I like the dynamic. I like the uniforms. I mean, that's the way to go. Honestly, Jelly. It used it at one point. It was Franco's handle on IG. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I, you just cannot. You have to play with the jelly, bro. I, I know he has He's, to be that, thinking about that. Here's the thing, though. They uh, made the tournament, too. But they're coached by a Patino, and I don't trust Patinos. No? No. Why not? How can you trust Patinos? How could you trust anyone? I trust John Calipari with my life. I don't. 
He's like, I don't trust no one who's like the hair box. Right? I will remember to tell him that when he gets it. You know what? And that is ethnic stereotyping because they have to slick their hair back. I don't trust no we one. We just have different back. texture hair, so we can't slick. Our I know hair black back. people that slick their hair back. I don't trust them either. Why are you talking about my son? <laughs> I knew my, my mind went on him after I said that. <laughs> right after I said that, I was like, whoa. He's such a good <laughs> My son. He's, he's such a good president of B3 is. But Minnesota is a team that does need. You t- You said you didn't want your players in a state of flux. Well, that's no state happened. of flux. That's what's happening in Minnesota, though. I was in a state of flux. At the end of the season, they had two assistant coaches that mm. quit. They had two players that transferred, which is why they got a transfer guard. Because they need backcourt depth. So they got a transfer guard, Peyton Willis, from, from Vanderbilt. But he's sitting out this season. So they still have some backcourt depth that they need to show up, which is why they're going so hard after Franco at this point. But Minnesota is moving in a different direction. You can't have all of those changes and say that this is not a program in flux. Minnesota is going to be on TV. <laughs> That's all you can say. Regardless they're of They're all going to be on TV. These they are, are major no, programs. No, they won't. Randy, every one of these schools in the Franco Four will be on TV. How, SEC, how much will they be on the TV? The SEC has a network, so even if oh. you're Ole Miss, Georgia, it's not just Kentucky. Anybody in the SEC. Will do you play. go? So do you go? You, do you watch highlights on YouTube? College yes. highlights. Yes. Frankie Vision is not going to Ole Miss. <laughs> Frankie Vision is not watching Oregon because Jordan Bell is not there anymore, and Dominic Artis been in oh. school for like. Let's go. Let's go to. Bro, Oregon. Dominic Artis. They were supposed to make him a good point guard for like the last ten years now. Hold on. Let's go to Oregon. Though, and that has not worked out. I think of all of these teams. If you want to talk about a team that's going to have a shot at the tournament and yeah. a team that's probably going to be the best or being able to contend for a conference championship, I think it's Oregon. Nah, Oregon is more of like defensive point guards kind of thing. I'm. Oregon has the third ranked recruiting class in the nation heading into the season, so. I don't know that it may be difficult for Franco to get the same kind of playing time as he would with one of these other programs. That recruiting class is headlined by Bull Bull. You know how how big of a deal he is. They're already projected to be a top twenty-five team. They're projected to win the Pac-12, even though it's very early. Like I said, these are just projections. They return their leading scorer, Peyton Pritchard. He's their point guard. So right away, you know that Franco's either going to be a backup point guard or play alongside of him. I don't like that. They lost their, but they did lost their second, third, and fourth leading scorers. So there is a void that's going to have to be filled. You don't, you do not seem to be a fan of Franco selecting Oregon. I am a fan of Franco selecting no one else but Minnesota. So we got to travel to a really cold place to go to one of them games. I, man, I don't mind though. We'd have to wait until the tournament because I feel I think I'm going to Minnesota. I ain't gonna lie. I even been think about there. the show though. If Jelly laying up Franco hitting threes, don't go to think about the show. Black. If them two get it rolling the same time, think about the show. All you want is for them to do these goddamn Jelly layups. That's all you want. <laughs> Boom! Highlights, companies. Are we thinking big picture now? We're supposed to be doing like real analysis and journals. <laughs> we thinking we thinking big time right now. Sorry. So you think you think the best fit is Minnesota? You think he's gonna go Minnesota? On, I de- on D Day, you think Minnesota is the hat that he's gonna put on? I definitely think that's where you're going. Honestly, I'm gonna say Ole Miss. I think he goes Ole Miss. You think the Bayman connection is enough to get him to Ole Miss? I think that's I think that's a part of it. Yeah. I think playing in the playing in the SEC is a good draw. Mm-hmm. I think I just think it's Ole Miss. I feel like that's going to seem like the most comfortable fit for him. Franco been living in Canada for the last year. He may want to be somewhere warmer. Mm. I mean, Minnesota a little cold. 
I don't know. It, I mean, the I, chance to play aside some alongside someone you admire, or try to model your game after is just you can't pass that up. That is true. That you is true. you can't pass just them two. To, think about how much more followers he would get on Instagram if them two on the same team. That's a whole lot of followers. That's a whole lot of YouTube videos. A whole lot of followers. Minnesota gods go crazy. Boom. YouTube highlights all day. Go to Minnesota, boy. Trust me. You don't go wrong, bro. Just go to Minnesota. So wherever Franco ends up, we await the decision from that final four. It's going to be a pretty huge one. I think this is going to be a big deal. I hope we treat it with the kind of fanfare and attention that it deserves because do not wait until he develops into something great for you to get on this bandwagon. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Like, let's, let's, let's get this train moving from now. Let's rally behind him, people. So that's going to be a big decision for him. Speaking of big decisions, let's transition to the college slash pro level. I got to say, I was surprised at this. So the deadline for early entrance to declare for the draft, I think, was last Sunday. And we learned on Tuesday via Instagram that Travis Munnings, leading mm-hmm. scorer and rebounding rebounder for the ULM Warhawks, put his name into the draft. Like... Travis not, just though? going for it all. Like, uh, third team, all Sun Belt player this year, averaged about 15 and 7, became a much better three-point shooter, shot around 40% from beyond the arc. I saw him as a player that was going to transition and get better year after year. And like like you mentioned earlier, he had the greenest of the green lights, the one, the, mm-hmm. the one as you talked about, and we saw how his game progressed. I did not think he was going to declare for the draft. Like, I was shocked I'm when not I surprised. saw that. Because you know what happened? He, he sat down, right, this year. How old is he like, 24, 25? He's up there. Probably. So, you're like 24, 25. Younger. If he transfers, he'd have to sit out a year. So, that would take him into, like, 25 easily, right? You look around at ULM, at the record there this year. Just say, boy, this team ain't good. And there's no chance for this team to get any better no time soon. It's and still the Sun Belt. And if I transfer, they could put me on the shelf for a year. Why not? So if so, me making third third team Sun Belt and making first team Sun Belt isn't much of a difference because it's still Sun Belt. It's still Sun Belt, and my team still ain't gonna be good. And we still could be going to like the college inside a tournament, not even the NIT tournament. I think this is an example of Travis basically bet on himself, like we talked about, like yeah. what Franco did. His mindset has to be, if you put me on the floor with these dudes, I don't care what school they went to, what conference they was in, where you had them ranked. If you put me on the floor with these dudes, mm-hmm. I am going to show up. I'm going to prove why why I belong. But the thing is, he doesn't even have Will to, he get that opportunity, The though. thing is, to show out, I wouldn't even say he has to show out. He just has to show that he has an NBA skill. He's, he's like, what, 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, yeah. If he could defend on the wing, he's not much of a shooter, but if he could defend on the wing and develop a shot... Yeah, I mean, he has he has a, he has a role in the his NBA. Shot, his shot's been, been <clears throat> yeah, developing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's exponentially better than it I mean, was. In the I last mean, to be honest, weeks. he averaged sixteen points, yeah. sixteen point seven rebounds, like three assists on a team that's not good. I mean, well, that I, I like aside from getting a degree, I see no other reason to stay at ULM. The team, yeah. I mean, the team just ain't good, boy. Yeah, so I mean, so even if he, so your mindset is even if he came back and he averaged like nineteen and twenty and like eight boards. He's is really he, but that, he is, is on no really one's draft board. He's on no one's draft board. So, I mean, and the the thing about it is the way the system changed, you can declare for the draft and then just come, to go out know. there and get that evaluation from mm-hmm. the coaches and from the scouts 
and see where your game is at. And if it doesn't work out 10 days after the combine, you can say, I'm mm-hmm. returning to school. But so see, the thing is, the thing is, I think, I think once you out there, don't come back. Like, like, acts, like, you see how that worked out for Raleigh? No, not saying like, like he was, he was going to be high on the draft board, especially after this combine performance. He went back, got injured again, and then it's like, now he has to stay there actually, yeah, because no one is going to pick him this year. So I, I think, I think once you, you develop, you make up in your mind that you have the skills to go, you just gotta go. I'm interested to see what the feedback is going to be from him though, because. Uh, and I think me and John would talk about this all the time. Like we would say, I could legitimately see Travis playing in the G League, and like you know, once you get there, you could get, you get your shot. Like you're mm-hmm. one step away from it. I want to see what's going to happen when he get. And this is why I really hope he gets an invitation to a workout with some team specifically. If he doesn't get to go to the combine, because you know what that early entrance list looks like. That's deep. That's deep. But but why he might get in because. A lot of the great players don't go to combines. Facts. So yeah. it's a ch- like even though that list looks like that, certain guys I don't think are going to work out. Um, you have like guys like like you said, Bull, Bull, Aiden, um, Bagley. No one of that nature, no one of that caliber is going to work out. For what? Damn, no reason to. Well, why Trey Duval? Even even tonight, kind of like. Well, that man better work out. Nah, bro. He they have him as a short pick. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he lost some stock this year. Should have gone to Kentucky. Grayson Allen. <laughs> Boy, he better work out twice. Yeah, he better work out. I think he, he, work out I think he better work out. He got so much to prove. I think He's he a classic example of, listen, when you think about going, just go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just he, go. He, he a couple of years late. Yeah. He, Miles Bridges. He oh, at least two years late. Miles Bridges a year late. Yeah. That's facts, though. But I mean, okay, like. No one from Kentucky's working out. Hardly. Boy, they better. Who, who all leave from Kentucky this year? Hami left. Hami left. Hami left. Hami left. Uh, yes. Wow. Shy Gilgis Alexander left, and Kevin Knox. I I could see Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox is the only one of them who's a lottery pick. And Carolina. Carolina ain't really had no big time players. Like no. That. Seventh Woods. Nah, Whatever nah, happened him. Wow. Seventh Woods still somewhere on that bench. He, he's a he's a YouTube legend though. So forever. There's that. He's a YouTube legend. Forever he, legend, bro. Get that degree, YouTube legend. So. But it, but the top guys aren't working out. I'd say the top thirty guys aren't working out. So the next set would be the ones to get in. I really just want this to happen so we could say this is the most behemoths that have ever been drafted. Like what? It's not unforeseen that he could have some incredible workouts. Like because you know how it goes in the social media age. He could have some incredible workouts, and you get one writer start talking, and then he goes on Twitter. He goes on social media. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it develops a following. Mm-hmm. Like this kid from the Bahamas, blah, 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 had like a 48-inch vertical or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Or he hit he hit like 83s in, in a workout, something crazy like that. I feel like that's all it takes. Copycat league like we started talking about. So yep. something like that happens. People start wondering, who is this kid? Who is this kid? They do some research. Can, he play, a, can he play small ball 3-4? Yeah. If he can, then he has a shot. Automatic. You had to do it at ULL. Well, That's what I'm maybe saying. Not four, it's automatic. But, more, but three. I could see him playing four, though. I don't know. If he ain't, I ain't nah. Like six, eight, bro. No, he's not that. You, you just upped him two inches. In, he's six, 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 six seven. He's like started. six, seven. Six, seven. Five, six. He got afro. Let's go with six, seven. He ain't got the afro for long. He got that long, though. I mean, how much people eh, How much people walk around with frozen league? It ain't even your like this. Your boy, though. Your boy got afro. Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh, he got fro-fro. Christ. 
That look bad. That looks stuck. They got two of them. D-Lo got to get them together, though. I got to Jared Allen. D-Lo got to get them together, dog. But... But honestly, I, I, I like the move with him going, though. I didn't want him to go back because that team, it's like, what are you going back for? To, to score more against the same competition and then you don't make it nowhere. You play in the college well, inside the tournament. I was just looking at it as he was going back for his personal development because yeah. I had no confidence. In I mean, but how much more could he develop? That, I mean, that may be what he's thinking. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I just hope it works out. Obviously, I mean, honest, on, honestly, let's think about it. Right? I want to see him stay in the draft. What? I don't want him to go back, bro. He's like six seven with a college, like a good college record behind him. What is his worst case scenario? He go overseas and make like a couple hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's facts. I mean, boohoo. <laughs> you know what I mean, boohoo. Like he'll be. Fu- I think he'll be perfectly. Yeah, he's straight. He's gonna be perfectly he's fine. I, I, th- I think he's good. I think he's good. So we'll be paying attention to the combine. Hopefully things work out well for Travis. We'll be at the draft for obvious reasons, but this was not a podcast about DeAndre Ayton. This was a wow, pod- and that's real. This was a podcast about who's next, who's coming up after DeAndre Ayton. So pay attention to these names that we talked about. Uh, follow them this summer. Pay attention to Franco's. But D-Day. the thing is, the thing is, what's good too. We got a few players that moved up from the junior college ranks too. We got yeah, we got JUCO players that signed. I know Sebastian Gray signed yeah, with Texas A and M International. Mm-hmm. Rashad Davis signed. I think Khalil, too. Khalil, Khalil Solomon. Yeah. Uh, oh, the name of his school slips my mind. But Khalil Solomon signed to a D2 school. Sebastian mm-hmm. Gray also signed to D2 school. And Rashad Rashad Davis, he was at Sunrise. Mm-hmm. Do we still have that Sunrise connection? Because a lot of Bahamians benefited from that Sunrise yeah, connection. Yeah, for sure. Jeez. I still, I, still, I, still, I still have my hope out on Bill Maher as well. DeAndre Vilmar. I, st- I still, I'm still waiting on someone, weekend, to, a, a major school to sign him. This weekend, he was at the Daryl Sayers Showcase. Hopefully, he showed out. Bummed mm-hmm. that we couldn't make it this year, but you know, yeah, we we had a presence there. Shane, get to work. This Please need them stories. Thanks. So, like we said, keep uh, keep track of these players. We or if you can't, we'll do the work for you and we'll let you know who to follow. So, pay attention to us on all social media handles. We'll be there for Franco D Day. We'll let you know how Travis does at these combines, whether he stays in the draft or not, and just stay with us for. Uh